0: Spooky friends, my name is John, I'm your host, and welcome to another episode of Dairyland Frights, the paranormal podcast that covers everything spooky, creepy, and mysterious in the Midwest. And again, the great spooky guests continue on the podcast today is Cava from
1: We Need to Talk About Ghosts podcast, correct? <laughs> that is correct, yes. Well done. We're saying that, that because we've had a dry run through and... Um, and Yes. We yes. made a few flaws. So, uh, like I was saying earlier, it's a it's a it's a play on the we need to talk about Kevin because my name's Kevin. So, drop the Kevin and add ghosts. Uh, yes,
0: and you have three podcasts, correct?
1: That's right. Yeah, mate. That's uh, so it's quite a busy schedule, really. So, we've got yeah. we need to talk about Ghost, which is similar to your show in terms of um how we view it so it's again like i was saying it's not tongue-in-cheek because that's that's derogatory really mm-hmm. it's um you know it's just a not a totally it's open-minded but not to the point that your brains fall out you know so you can <laughs> laugh at yourself you can you know talk about the things without being deadly serious then ironically i have another podcast called um the dark paranormal mm-hmm. which we focus on one listener experience per week yeah. And we do that in a very dramatically red style, but that's the point of it. And the the reason be- between the two different personalities, if you will, is mm-hmm. we need to talk about ghosts is me as you hear me now. Um, mm-hmm. The dark paranormal is also a side of me. So as I'm sure it is with yourself, where you like to read about the the mm-hmm. darker side of the paranormal mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. possessions and people getting thrown downstairs. So Um when it well that's all listener stories. It didn't start off as such. It started off covering like Amateurville and the usuals. And then people started sending in their own stories and the nine times out of ten they were scarier. So we Mm -hmm. started doing them as long as they were long enough to do as one show. Um and more recently we're halfway through season one of The Deadly Countdown, which is um it's true crime, but with a lean towards the mysterious, so yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. Now, what's really funny is I've listened
1: to Dark Paranormal and I didn't know that was you. <laughs> well, there you go, proofs it's working then, yeah, no, it is working. I, I have to do a, an almost um, receive pronunciation accent with that because it's um, because obviously I'm from Liverpool in England and this is my mm-hmm. natural accent as I speak yeah, sure. now, um. But when I'm doing the dark paranormal, there are certain, you know, you've got to have a certain nuance to your voice in terms of when you're trying to set up an earth, yes. um, an action or a, for want of a better phrase, a jump scare. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it doesn't work if it's this voice going. And then when he went up the stairs, there was a bang. It's like, <laughs> so you've got to be like, right. suddenly I when know. he was walking up the steps, you know, that Absolutely. sort of stuff. You've um, got to become English. So. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And you know the the funny thing ab- about that is you're absolutely right. You know, i I try to do some spooky things. So I have some voice changing things I have to do. And uh, you know, I'm like, okay, all right. Um <laughs> yeah. but it's fun, right? Because you, you at the end of the day, you want to scare people uh, or make
1: them think or make them laugh. Yeah, you know. I mean, and also there's an element of truth in what I'm saying with it. I mean, although I mean, I've been, my interest in the paranormals from a, a very young age, like we're talking five or six. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, and it's been there uh, as a as one of like my top three hobbies forever. Um, so let's get intro- into
0: that. Let's get into that, Kevin. Uh, what interests you in the paranormal? You kind of mentioned that. Why don't you uh,
1: expound on that a little bit? So realistically, it was. Um, I mean. I lost my mother when she was when, when I, well, I was conceiving she was sixteen Christ she would have been young, um no when I was sixteen um yeah. but up to that point, me and her we were a family or we were a family of five, uh, mum dad three kids mm-hmm. and me and my mum were the ones who bonded over the paranormal she was very much um, a believer she was very mm-hmm. much it she had a bit of a sixth sense about her about certain things and she yeah. would tell me like even as a five year old like she'd be telling me terrifying stories about mm-hmm. what's happened to her as a child you know and yeah and it fascinates me as opposed to scare me and she, and she loved that she like so we'd have really good conversations about the paranormal and like for example she to say a quick example she mm-hmm. said once before she married me dad she was in a shoe shop in liverpool city centre mm-hmm. um in the very early morning before she went to work okay. and was looking at a pair of shoes and a woman on the other side and she'd never met her mother she died when she was one yeah um and this woman come from behind the, this other shelf and yeah. said don't buy them love they won't suit you and she was like oh uh, okay and put them back and started yeah. look and then she thought that's cheeky like who who's, yeah, right, who's, right, right. Says that to someone yeah, yeah um so she walked outside the shop like literally two seconds later this woman's nowhere to be seen and she told me two aunties who were both much older than my mother, and um, and they broke down and said, like you described, your mum. That was your mum. Uh, so wow. there was loads of little things like that that my mother would um, do. Like we used to try psychometry uh, with each other, where I'd mm-hmm. try and read her jewellery to sometimes with good success and some, you know, we, we'd always be doing something. So there was always an interest yeah. there from from a, a very young age. Um, like one of my earliest memories is be is literally, uh, I still being in junior school and a head and me, um, a, a cast a spooky castle on a blackboard yeah. that we had uh-huh. in the house, you know? So there was, whereas like my dad and my other two siblings, they're all into football or soccer, if you will. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, you know, they're just, like, when I say normal people, like, they, they don't dress in black and go around doing Ouija boards and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so, yeah, and then, ever like, I grew up, I was always interested. It read everything I could on it. And then the internet came along, and, mm-hmm. you know, your world opened up. So. Yeah, you and me, Kev,
0: are kindred spirits. My mom was the exact same way. So my mom had, and everyone laughs at me when I say this, my mom could meet a person and this is not, I wouldn't say paranormal. My mom can meet a person and within a few seconds go, that's a good or bad person. And wow. you're like, okay, she's being judgmental. No, no, not at all. So when I used to go out with my girlfriends, I'd bring my girlfriend home. My mom would look, take one look at her. And then later she'd go, honey, I ain't going to work out. She was never wrong, Kev. Never, ever, Wow. Ever, ever, wow. And can she, I ask, was it
1: 100% hit rate? Was it like it every was girl? It <laughs> 100%
0: hit rate. It was spooky. It was so spooky. My mom would meet my bosses, and she'd be going like, honey, you got to quit this job. Ooh, <laughs> You're uh, like, wow. what, what, are you, what are you talking about, mom?
1: Trust me, Yeah, you got to quit. A month m- later. month m- I- later, on the front of the paper.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's some crazy thing. And then she would read books about serial killers. She read books about the paranormal. And then my mom would be like, I would ask my mom. So one of our, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's called the bitch, uh, the butcher of Plainfield, Ed Geen. Yeah,
1: movie. I've, I've, okay. Funny enough, we serendipitously enough. Hey, that's the the latest episode of the Deadly Countdown. I've just released it. Was released yesterday. Check that, out.
0: my friend. I would have. Oh, I have a great story for you about Ed. Mm. Dean. I'm going to tell you this one really quick. Maybe you can get me on the show sometime if you'd like. But let me tell you about this because I got – this is a great one. So my mom's friend was the nurse. See, Ed Gein near the end of his life spent time in mental hospitals. Yeah. And my mom was the head nurse of the mental hospital Ed Gein was in. So. No. Truth. I swear on a stack of Bibles. I swear on your mother, the queen. Whatever you want me to
1: swear <laughs> on. Bloody uh, hell!
0: So what she would do is, and I got more stories than this. So you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I guess I would love to be on your show. That's, I guess, what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, so,
1: yeah, by all means.
0: Um. So anyway, Ed, this is just a brief glimpse. This, is, you know. Um. Uh, so Ed would be very, how do I say, moody. So my mom's friend would go in there, and Ed, if he liked you, he would have this creepy smile and he'd look at you. And if he didn't like you, he would give you this cold stare. And my mom's uh, friend didn't take any shite or what he would yeah. say from from this guy. So she would come in, and Ed would look at her, and he and she'd go, "Ed, I ain't taking your shit today. It, it ain't happening." And she would not take it. And then Ed would kind of back down. Well, what happened really quickly is one day my mom's friend was on a business uh, trip or something like that. And and anyway, she comes back later. And uh, she's like, hey, well, wait a minute. Do you guys go and give Ed his medication? What, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, yeah, the new nurse is in there giving Ed his medication. And she goes, oh, my God, you do not sh- send a new nurse in with Ed. So they're sitting there and she goes, how long has that nurse been in there? And they're like, "Mm, about a half an hour. And my, my mom's friend is freaking out. She's like, oh my God. Well, (laughs) the nurse comes out who had just been in with Ed, this new nurse comes out and she's all smiles and everything. And she's laughing and everyone's like, uh, you okay? And they're like, she's like, yeah, well, what's the big deal? He's like my grandpa. And she's like, Christ. She's like, no, 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 no. Do you know who that is? And she's like, Ed? And they're like, no, Ed Gein. And immediately this woman turns pale white and quits. (laughs) I'm not surprised. She just, she did not know. She spent a half an hour with one of the most. Sickest twisted, uh he wasn't a cannibal serial killers. Um, who, yes, made lampshades out of people's skins, who made his chair out of people's skins.
1: Yes, and, yeah, yeah, it was the um, it was the it was the light, the the was it a blind pull made of human lips? There was the one that got me, yeah, right, right. right? Mm-hmm. The- nice guy, nice guy. So, two, remember, too,
0: he used to babysit kids in the area. Mm. And so my story, if I'm going to be on your show, like I said, love to be on your show. I would tell you a story about a family who just before Ed Gein was captured, Ed was babysitting their three children. No. Yes. Just the day before he was captured,
1: he was babysitting these kids. No, one, I mean, no, I mean, it's knew. a weird one because he, he kind of you know, his MO did, did it seemed yeah. to be yep. just you know, wasn't necessarily. I'm not saying they were safe, but no. like, um, you know, his MO was seen to be a certain type of, of you know, due to his mother being so overbearing and all that carry on, yeah. Um, I don't think children were his target audience, no, no, no. I don't know, you're right, or you phrased this right, you know? <laughs> um. <laughs> But you know what I mean. I don't think that was a no. demo. But I'm not saying the safety was safe. Like, but no. it's it's strange. It's worrying. You know what? An interesting thing actually. Staying on the 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 and touching into to what you're saying about your mother early as well. Yeah, yeah. Is a uh, a dad that uh, sorry, a woman that my dad used to go out with said that she when she moved into the house that she moved into, mm-hmm. she held a housewoman party, and she said it was nice. Blah blah blah. That but then she this this one friend come with another woman who she didn't know said Mm. and this one woman was she said she was cold when she walked in the door she was like Mm. as in like you could tell she was she was like her face was serious she was her eyes were darting everywhere she just sat on the windowsill of the house in the living room Mm. um and didn't speak to anyone and at one point in proceedings anyway Mm -hmm. um this lady like grabs this friend in the kitchen and says who's the bloody weirdo that you've brought? And mm. she went, oh, it's me sister-in-law. Like she's just got out of um, hospital. Uh, it turns out she'd murdered a child. Ooh. She'd had a psychotic break. It's really sad, actually. Mm-hmm, it's just, you mm-hmm. know, when you just, you, you, there's a vibe. Yeah. She'd, she'd murdered a child. Yeah. And then the, the child hadn't been found for a fortnight. And she'd been mm. pushing the empty pram round. Mm. Um, assuming there was someone in it and picking up an mm-hmm. empty bundle of rags pretending it was a baby and mm-hmm. then when she was found and it was all sorted out she was hospitalised and dealt with but yeah. you know when some people can carry an aura yeah um and yep. it, and it's, it's perceptible it's yeah. a it, it, it's a I mean I've experienced it once where you know that that hold you walk in a room it's like yeah. in the olden days you used to be able to when they had certain types of TVs mm-hmm. you'd be able to walk in and you'd know if the TV was on even if it was muted, yeah, because right. it give off a certain correct. electric hum, correct. And you have that when you walk into a room if there's been an argument, that atmosphere in the air, that sort of thing. Um, it's very rare. I think I don't think kids these days. When I say kids these days, you know, <laughs> I don't think um, people these days are, will be able to appreciate the reference because modern TVs don't have yeah, that whole electrical don't have that. Yeah, yeah. situation. But yeah. used to be able to tell it probably says how dangerous the TVs were of the day. well if the telly was on mute, you'd walk in and you'd know because you yeah, would yeah. be an electric through your body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like
0: radiation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's why we can all see in the dark.
0: Yeah, that's all we can see in the dark. Right. We glow a little bit. So yeah, you know, yeah. there we go. Um yeah, that's amazing. Um I also have a Jeffrey Dahmer story I could share too. Uh, but if you're familiar with Jeffrey Dahmer at all, um, I can share that too. It is not my story. It is my cousin's story, who is in Milwaukee, who worked with Jeffrey Dahmer during his heyday, during the day he was eat, uh, well, eating people, I guess, and making sex slaves. Wow! And so I can talk about that too, uh, which I'll be happy to, to help you and help your show um, because those are unbelievable to the heavy hitters. By the way, just really quickly, Plainfield is about 2 hours away from where I live. Um his house was going to be uh at Dean's house, excuse me, who lived in Plainfield, uh which is like I said 2 hours away from me. Uh, his house was going to be turned into a museum, oh, but it God. was fiercely burned down.
1: Really? <laughs>
0: no one knows who did it
1: yeah that's residents that who, who who wants yeah. such a museum you know the, the-
0: yeah why would you do- and his gravestone um by the way is in the city hall of Plainfield because people would go to his gravestone chip off parts of it and sell it on ebay
1: yeah i can imagine i mean there is a macabre tourism to it i mean hmm. we went to we were in new york about two three months well it was two months ago actually and um obviously being from liverpool i said i want to see the dakota building where lennon lived and was murdered and stuff yeah right right and it it was only when i was there as we were approaching it i thought this isn't right i'm going Mm -hmm. to see the site of a murder what am i doing and and we we got to the corner of that like um intersection and we didn't cross I was like, it doesn't fit. I mean, the, the building's great anyway, because it was obviously where Rosemary's Baby was shot. So right. we, we took photos of the building, because it's beautiful architecture. And yes. like, it, it's a, the guy who built it has got something to do with the occult as well. Like, it yep. you know, one of the floors is made of sheer sterling silver.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: and, you know, and it's all packed with mud from Central Park and stuff like that. It's very, very strange building. Very strange um, building. But, there was people getting photo took in the archway of where Lennon was murdered, was and murdered. there was just something a little. And I don't know, you know, without sounding yeah. like an idiot, it, it was like, I mean, John Lennon. I mean, there's a thing when you live in Liverpool, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. the you you do you do you people either love or hate the Beatles. If you're from Liverpool, I'm a, I love the Beatles, sure. Um but therefore, if you do love the Beatles, you've got you 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 wrestle with the fact that you you live no more than five miles away from where they all lived and where they all practiced, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So do you feel a bit more like when I seen this guy getting a photo took in the arch, mm-hmm. there was a, I felt a bit angry, you know, a bit like, sure. like not like a family member, but you know, like, you, I don't know. Yeah. You're disgracing something. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, it was a weird one, but it was also one of the hottest days in New York. So yeah, I, I was like, I'm, I'm really like, if I threw a punch, I'd just land on my back. So let's just walk away. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I can tell we're mates, Kev, because we have a lot of things we we, we can. I would love to come over to Liverpool. I've never been uh, over into Europe. Uh, maybe, uh, you, you know, who knows? I can come over there sometime. He'd be my guy. You can come over to the States. I live in a small town uh, called Spring Green, Wisconsin, where Frank Lloyd Wright, I don't know if you've heard of him, the plane um, man, yes, yeah, yeah. Not the plane man. Um, the architect. Oh, okay. So he was a huge architect. He built some of the the, the most grandiose and innovative buildings all over the world. And his mansion is like, um, which is haunted, by the way, okay. is like a quarter of a mile down the road. And it's just this gorgeous. I'm in this gorgeous area, so. Hey, you and your nose, right? <laughs>
1: well, you never know. I mean, we done we man We took in we. It was a cruise we went on. So we done Miami. We done South Carolina. We done New go. York. Um, we done quite a few places, and it was you know it was first time in the states. And um, I was a big lover of it. It wasn't what I expected, to be honest. Hmm. Um, you, you know, you have a yeah. Uh, mind you, I had the same thing with London. Um, I I. I I despise London when I'm not in it. I despise it. And really? I don't do anything to stay away from it. But when really? I'm in it, I love it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a weird thing. You get me there, I'm fine. And I'm in the elements. But okay. the idea of traveling there makes me blood go cold. I know. Like,
0: I, I just, I'm just i fascinated with Europe. I love European history. I'm a big history buff. I mean, you guys have furniture in Europe and older than the entire United States of America. I mean, it's... <laughs> it's ridiculous it's like
1: (laughs) an interesting fact is uh the um american war of independence ended in liverpool oh Um, that's right yeah because it was the it was the last at war ship or something that was docked would signal the end of the war or something similar that's right Um, and it docked at liverpool and therefore, that caused the end of that war. But there was interestingly as well, which I didn't realize, which isn't you know, we're, we're quite there's there's an interesting thing because what we did notice, we went to South Carolina, mm-hmm. and there was a an open day for a museum there, and we went in. And there was a lot of in within this particular museum. There was a lot of statues towards general this and general that mm-hmm, general. Mm-hmm. And yep. the, there was a, a rather uncomfortable proudness about the the owning of slaves yes. down there. Yes. Like, there was yeah. no mention of there was no mention of like uh-huh. which is obviously wrong. It was just very proud yeah. um, mm-hmm. within this museum. So you know, there's a, a touch of leniency because it's a historical thing. But yeah, make a reference like in Liverpool we we were pivotal in the slave trade. You know, we were a pivotal sure. port, mm-hmm. but there's uh, an international museum to slavery. There there's, mm-hmm. um, we, we make references. If somebody's made money off slaves, mm-hmm. there's a plaque, which references, be aware this individual made his money off the back of selling individuals. There's wow. a reference, the past, you know what I mean? So yeah, right. we don't necessarily tear down a statue. We leave it mm-hmm. up to educate, um, and make, yeah. you know, let it be known. He that's made true. money to the city. He made it, made the city rich, but he done it off the back of right. people. Absolutely. Um, so, so there's an education there. If you just, you can't remove history and whitewash it, literally. No, no um, you,
0: you can't, you can't. And th- that's the, the, the biggest debate right now here in the States is removing all the Confederate statues um, and putting up, statues of great um slave leaders trying to help and and people are mm-hmm. trying to help and believe it or not just before <laughs> before this is all we could have a political podcast right but oh, hey, uh, hey. but believe it or not there are still people in the south and i'm not kidding you who believe they won the civil war and will debate
1: you um every chance they get wow Oh yeah. Well, one thing. I, I, this is another thing that blew me mind. I was walk, I, I normally take walks around Liverpool because yeah. during the World War II, we were hit. Heavy. Mm. We were the second most bombed city outside of London. Right. Um. Yeah. And there's loads of be- Like there's, there's a place just down the road called the bombed out church, and it's a gutted church. It's almost like a cathedral, but it's mm. got no innards, and mm. it's beautiful. And it's a, it's a monument to the horrors of war, really. But, um. Further on, much further on towards the docks. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize there was this, this there was a very small plaque, and it's kept there for historical reasons, obviously. But in this particular old particular old house, it's like an, yeah. it's a huge old mansion house, a seafarer's um, merchant's house. Uh, there's a plaque that says this house. It does. I think there might even be a Confederate flag on it, like very small, obviously. But it says they used to hold balls at this house mm. to support the South in um, the Civil War, and the reason for it being because Liverpool made so much money in slavery, mm. they wanted to ensure it it it, it survived. True. It's horrific, you know. It's, yeah, it's horrific from a from a historical point of view. It's it's fascinating to stumble upon such a thing, right. but it's um, it blows your mind mm. that, that mm-hmm. you know not going back 200 years what what went on not even yeah. that you know it's amazing. but anyway so, no this is spooky so scary yeah <laughs>
0: people are going what are you getting the spooky stuff okay we will get to the spooky stuff but i love hearing history and i love that and everything so let's get right to the spooky stuff because this is something i didn't know kev watched but i watched as an american and could not believe this <laughs> actually yeah. happened so let's talk about Ghostwatch. So Ghostwatch, if, if people, if you don't know about this, please check it out, my spooky friends. and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Kev's in, in, uh, little story here, which is absolutely hilarious. and then I want to get his feelings on this because this is unbelievable. So yeah, a band BB show, it was called Ghostwatch left traumatized viewers in tears unable to sleep for months. More than 30,000, 30,000 people, frightened viewers, complained about the terrifying show when it was first broadcast 30 years ago. So I'm going to give you a brief idea, my spooky friends, and then uh, Kev's going to talk about his experiences with this, and they're both out of this world. It's great. It's hilarious and serious at the same time. So this kind of fits our podcast, I guess. So, it is Halloween night, and the nation is about to be traumatized by one of the scariest shows ever broadcast on British TV at, this is hilarious, 9.25 p.m. on Saturday, October 31st, 1992. Ghostwatch, now this is a mockumentary, investigating reports of a poltergeist in the most haunted house in Britain was shown for the first time on BBC. So it was built as a drama, but cleverly put together like it was a live broadcast TV uh, documentary. So this was the way they put it together is it looked like it was happening in real time. In the 90s, we don't look in the 90s. That was a big deal here. We're like, yeah, whatever. Um, and what added to the parent authenticity is the one-off show was also that it has four presenters Michael Parkinson, I don't know who that is, Sarah Green, again, don't know who that is, but you can help me, her husband Mike Smith and Greg Charles were all, of course, household names playing themselves. So this is really funny. So it's basically if they took the American version of the top journalists, put them in this documentary, did not tell you, it was a mockumentary, and then just kind of just went through it and just was like, this is real without really giving away it's not real. So just a quick, a little bit of things about it was the live ghost investigation centered about two young girls, Kim and Suzanne Early, being haunted by a terrifying spook called Pipes, a name who still sends shivers down the spine of people, which is that's fascinating to me. Um, and he was in their West London home the ghoul was so called because the children heard noises in the house and their mom, mum, excuse me, mom said it was just <laughs> the pipes. So 30 years. So this is 1992. So this has been over 30 years and people are still talking about this. And this is before I get to your experience, uh, Kev, is this is somebody said this. This is great. Uh, I believe it's a woman's name. If it isn't, I apologize. Uh, Hawk Siona said, worst thing I ever watched, which made it worse was they said it was poltergeist targeted teenage girls, which we were at the time. So I guess I guess it is. A girl. <laughs> and she also said um, her sisters uh, or somebody, I guess her friend said this Karen Pierce posted. I remember watching this about the poltergeist called Pipes. And I was crying my eyes out. I was so scared. I was 10 years old. And I also remember my dad shouting at me for getting so upset, saying it was saying, excuse me, bloody real calm down. So and that's in an English accent. Thanks, <laughs> 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 um, So just a little thing about this. Please check it out. I believe it's on YouTube. Also, they do sell it on a DVD. Um, I saw it off a DVD, well, me and my friend, we watched it, um, a couple of Halloween's ago and I was blown away, Kev. And then w- when they're going through everything and they're showing these things. So in the doc, in this mockumentary documentary, they will show pipes. So they will show this entity and then the people will get on and be like, did you see that? D- did you see that in the corner? Yeah. Did you see that? And then they'll be like, then you'll hear bang, 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 bang. and they'll be like, oh, oh, okay, okay. And then people will rush in, okay. So what, you know, and all this stuff. And it made it look so real um, that for 1992 is amazing. Um, so Kev, tell me about your experience. You were what, thirteen when you? I saw was thirteen. This?
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, you, you made a good a good reference in the notes that you sent me over it genuinely was the equivalent from an English perspective of, of the war of the worlds yeah in terms of the radio broadcast especially if you missed the beginning which I did I missed the first five minutes if you were tuning in for it you would have he- heard the commentator say and now a drama boom yeah but if you missed that part and you you went right into it now the and Craig Charles is um from Red Wharf he Thank plays uh, Lister in Red Dwarf. Does it not Lister? Uh, he plays one of them in Red Dwarf. Anyway, but Michael Parkinson is—it's hard to describe just how uh, revered of an interviewer Michael Parkinson is in the UK. Like, it, like for example, there are you were known as to, for example, Billy Connolly, the the comedian. Yeah, he he was made by being interviewed on Michael Parkinson's show. Um, he he literally went from selling like 300 t- room, 300 seater rooms. He appeared on Parkinson, which was the name of his chat show, and he was selling arenas out overnight. Um, wow. he, he he had that much strength. I mean, at the at the time, there was no satellite TV. There was four sure. channels, so everybody watched Parkinson. So it was hosted by Michael Parkinson as Michael Parkinson, Sarah Green, and her husband Mike Smith. They, they, they were the real names, you know, mm-hmm. they were both acting as themselves. Mm-hmm. Craig Charles is a scouser like myself, and he was acting as himself. And the way they done it was they had um, a base camp in a studio, which was hosted by Parkinson, and he, Michael Parkinson would sit there and he had allegedly a parapsychologist, a researcher, yeah. a historian, and they would go live to the house where Sarah Green and Mike Smith would be, and um, Craig Charles would be outside. And outside they had like this house cordoned off and the neighbours and people of the neighbourhood were allegedly behind these cordons. And he was interviewing them saying, what have you heard about the house? And they'd be saying mm-hmm. like, oh, we've heard loads of stuff. It, was, it looked so genuine. It was untrue. Yes, um, It looked like a genuine, especially because these are real people. You know, it wasn't, oh, that's Sarah Green. Why, why, why people calling her Mandy? No, like, it was Sarah Green. um and when scary things would happen she would show genuine concern Mm -hmm. for her husband and would be saying back to studio that's my husband in there Mm -hmm. you know so there was an added element of reality i was 13 at the time um and there was no one else in the house because do do me a favor
0: paint Mm. me a picture you're a 13 year old boy in an Mm -hmm. empty house
1: Yeah. Lights uh, out because I love Halloween, so yeah, yeah. All the yeah. lights out, just me cross-legged, watching this on TV, and there wasn't there was, there's a a great. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Remember this film, this drama was banned by the BBC, yeah, and the reason why good. it was banned was because there was a couple of suicides that took place, right? Um, people were so affected by it, oh my they goodness. thought they were being haunted by pipes. They actually yeah. killed themselves, and there was lawsuits galore going in against the BBC. So they, they vowed to never air it again. Um, but uh, So I'm sat there anyway, and it would do things like it, it would pan around the girl's room, and you'd see someone stood in the corner, and they'd pan back, and they'd be gone. And as a 13-year-old, I'd be like, no, I've seen it. I've seen it. And they'd go to Michael Parkinson in the studio, and they'd say, can we review that footage? We're getting people... Phoning sure. in and saying someone was in the corner, and when they'd review the footage, nothing to be there. So then, but you then yourself are saying, "No, I seen it, right, right?" Um, and then it flashed up. I thought, "Is this real, or is this just all fake um, for Halloween?" And then it flashed up a telephone number, and I still remember the number. It was uh 08, oh what was it? I think it was 0101 or something like that. Okay. Um. Anyway, I thought, you know what, I'm going to ring it. And if someone answers, it's genuine. And if you don't, it's not. And they were taking calls allegedly live on air, you know, like people saying like, um, oh, something's just moved in the house and stuff like this. Um, So I rung it and it was engaged. And when I got that engaged tone, my stomach dropped because I thought it's genuine. It's not like a deadline or it's not like, um, if you're calling the number from Ghostwatch, please know it's a drama. You know, it was engaged. People were trying to get through. Oh, wow! So you was like, "Oh my God, this is genuine." And then obviously it builds up to a crescendo, and you start seeing these people who you know, and like yeah. you've seen them in their real lives, yeah, right. acting as themselves. Like Craig Charles was getting worried for Sarah Green in the house, and he's showing genuine. He's saying to like the cameramen, he's saying, "No, we need to stop messing around now. She's in danger." You know, they were really, really portraying it so well. It let itself down towards the end when I watched it back in hindsight, because allegedly the spirit then possesses Michael Parkinson, and that's when it jumped the shark. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But up to that point, it was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. But also, what you've got to bear in mind is, I, 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 I would go as far as to say, and I mean this, without Ghost Watch, there's no Zach Bagans. Yes, because the Ghost Watch was that the foundation, the way they done it, it was the foundation for yeah. Most Haunted in the UK with field Fielding and her her crew that went out. And Most Haunted was so big, they even done a skit of it on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Like it, it took over the States for a while and then Zach Bagans and the likes watched this and thought, oh, there's money to be made here. Let's go out mm-hmm. investigating as ghosts. Sorry, let's go out investigating ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it all stems from Ghost Watch. It's it's such the it's the yeah. seed which launched the thousand careers. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. This one was
0: like in the States, we have Destination Fear, I think that's still on. We have Oh my God, Ghost Hunters. We have you name there is a channel, numerous channels that like Paraflix, it's called, which is dedicated to people investigate. And I've interviewed paranormal investigators on the show and you know, they, they're like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of brought this up a little bit and they did not know what it was, to be honest. Yeah. Not a lot of people in the States are kind of like, huh? But I'm telling you, it was when I watched it from an American perspective, I was like, huh, this is pretty smart. You know? And yeah. Thought,
1: Wait a minute. That's a real number. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and the thing is, from, a, yeah, from an American right. perspective, if you don't know who, if you don't know the gravitas that Michael Parkinson had, yeah. you know, it would be the equivalent of, I mean, I'd, I'd you'd have to tell me, you know, who, who would be such a respected American TV pundit that if they've done this, if they played themselves in such a role. So
0: for us would be a guy named Dan Rather. He was on okay. 60 Minutes. Uh, if you've heard of 60 Minutes. one yeah, yeah. 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 So when he was on, Dan rather was on, it was like, he was, um, you could do no wrong. Like if he told you to drink milk 10 times a day, that it's going to help you be a better person, you're drinking milk 10 times a day. So I think it's kind of, you know, and he would interview everybody, you know, he would interview terrorists. He would interview rock stars. He would interview actors, actresses, presidents. You know what I'm saying? Just like yes, gentleman Parkinson. If he came on there and he said, oh my God, there's a ghost in here. People would be like,
1: oh my God, there's a ghost there. Well, this is it. And, and they also had like, even within the studio setup, where which was obviously away from that the, the alleged haunted house, they had even that dynamic perfect. They had like a believer versus a skeptic. They had them arguing within the studio, Do you know, like as in, this is all nonsense compared right, to right, right. well, how do you explain that? You know, you believed every second of, of what you were watching. And interestingly, it all again, it's such an interesting the whole dynamic so interesting. Is that like it was it's based on Enfield, on the Enfield Horton, yeah. Janet and um uh oh I forget the surname now. Hod- the Hodgson's the Janice Hodgson from the Enfield Horton. Yeah, it's, that's the the entire source of it is taken more or less Verbatim from the house that story's lifted from the house and placed in ghost watch and they're doing an alleged review because it's a single mother it's you know the same sort of setup mm-hmm. um there's two girls involved it's meant to be a-, a poltergeist powered from the pubescent energy of the girls so it's the, it, it's a similar setup to how the enfield case played out uh but but it's hard to say. I mean, I have this theory. This is going a bit abstract now, but I have this theory that the we some somebody much more intelligent than I could mm. definitely write a book and find a thread between Big Brother, you know, the reality TV show, yeah, um, and Donald Trump becoming president. There's a line there through what we found acceptable sure, sure. before when we started. When we started accepting like average, you know, people becoming celebrities, when this became a thing, when you didn't need a talent to become famous, mm-hmm. you know, in the 60s, you needed to be good at music, singing, and dancing, and acting. In the 90s, 2000, 2010s, you needed to be an idiot. You know, you needed to want your five minutes of fame and mm-hmm. people made careers out of it. Mm-hmm. And there's a line that goes direct through to Trump. That is inevitable. And I think this is what, you know, Ghostwatch, there's no Zach Bagans without Ghostwatch. Absolutely. There's no Most Haunted without Ghostwatch. Absolutely. It's the seed which started it all.
0: And I think what did this to, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Kev, is in Europe, especially in the UK, there is so many, um, how do I say, like, Enfield poltergeist is one of the most famous poltergeist. I mean, they did a movie about it uh, conjuring three, I believe, or conjuring two. I can't remember which one,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: anyway, when um, I haven't done, I would love if we could do something like this together. Cause you could give your um, point a little bit more than me, but when I've listened to podcasts of that and i um, just listen to how people view it then like in the States, we're more about, how do I say demons? We're more about possession. So we're more about exorcisms. We're more about, okay. And and people take that seriously. Okay. Mm. Um, And I think if someone would do an exorcism show, which kind of they've done, they've done a number of movies. And in fact, the exorcist movie in the seventies, people left. movie theater people got physically sick yeah even though it was not real but that's how it meant and like ghost watch to me i think the enfield poltergeist and showing those two girls and they're being beat up and they're being thrown around and everyone's like oh my god how do we help this family and what do we do and and then kind of told it's kind of fake like the little girl maybe had some mental issues or some mental challenges and, and she did this on purpose do you think that what made Ghostwatch real for you uh, as a small child? I don't, you know I don't know if you even heard of the
1: Enfield Poltergeist at that time. I did at that time. I mean, to be honest, as I say, I was uh, I was thirteen at the time, and at that time, I was already about eight years into my paranormal education. So yeah, yeah, right, I, right, right. I, I, I knew about I knew about Enfield. I didn't realize it was based on Enfield because in my mind, I'm watching a real thing yeah yeah and in fact it the uh, you just jogged my memory i re- i do recall what because i was in the house alone whilst watching it mm-hmm. every say 20 minutes or so i had to swap channels 5 minutes just to calm myself down mm-hmm. J- you know just to get a bit of like normality yeah. in me head because sure. and that and that if anything that proves how, just how powerful a show it was and it proves just how It kind of validates these 30,000 complaints, but it also is interesting when you talk up to people who say, oh, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in the paranormal. Mm -hmm. Really? Well, the BBC had to ban a show because they received that many complaints about people being terrified about the paranormal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this. This is kind of a side note. Have you ever, this has happened to me. Mm. Have you ever been researching something or been somewhere um, where you felt something like something that you had to sleep with the lights on that night because you were just freaked out about, and you can't describe what it was,
1: but it yeah. just got yeah. so almost. Yeah. Yes. Within yeah. the oh, last yes. within the last four months, that's happened to me. Mm. Um, so basically, where I'm recording this now is just in the back bedroom of where we live. Um, but I've got a studio in uh, Renshaw Street, which is in Liverpool City Centre. Mm. Now, it's above a music shop. And there's that, another thing which I found out last week, which blew my mind. Which, but anyway, okay. um, it, in this room, I made it soundproof. So basically, put as you know, you, you want your audio quality to be good. So you've got yep. like curtains on the walls and you're dampening the acoustic. Right. And the way the room was—it's only a very small room—but the way the room set out is there's like as you open the door, there's a small, a very small kind of vestibule area, mm-hmm. and then it leads into the open square, which is the room. So across that vestibule, I put a curtain. So if you walk into the room whilst I'm recording, you'll just see that curtain, and you'd have to pop your head behind the curtain to say mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was recording an episode of The Dark Paranormal, mm-hmm. and this particular story. Now I'm a Roman Catholic by by birth, okay. not through choice. No, you know, I'm I'm very um a lapsed Catholic, okay. to, to put it lightly. Yeah. I'm non-practising. Um, sure. but if somebody asked me, I'd say I'm a Roman Catholic. Yeah, okay. Um and that's just because we're we, you know everyone in Liverpool is Irish. <laughs> that's that's just fact. <laughs> right. so, um so my nan's Irish, my granddad's Irish, you know, blah blah blah. And we're all Roman Catholics. Anyway, um I had an email from a priest. Or should I say uh, an ex-priest? Or should I say it turns out I didn't know this word, a layer-sized priest. Hmm. Now it turns out he he wrote this fantastic email. And a lot of the times when people send in an email with a with their experience in, there's a lot of like you know there was footsteps upstairs, there was bangings mm-hmm. of the doors, there was slam. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pol- poltergeist-like activity. Yeah, right. This had none of that. It was oh. so subtle, it was unbelievable. Anyway, he was basically nominated by his, his bishop for his diocese to take over. E- each Catholic diocese needs to have a, at least one exorcist. Um, and their exorcist in their diocese was retiring. So his bishop uh, nominated him to mm-hmm. take the place of the exorcist. So he had to go to Rome. He had to do some formal training. Yeah. Um, and he'd come back. And he said it was quite like, you know, there was no cause for it really. It was kind of, he viewed it as just a, like, you know, a, a box ticking exercise. Sure. Anyway, um, he then got in touch um, with a woman who said, like, you know, can you come and bless the house? Which she often gets. Where pre- he as a priest said he'd often get. Sure. You know, requests for house blessings, things are going on. Yeah. When he turned up this woman was acting really strange and he wasn't like sure and he he thought she was being abused by the partner mm. um and he left anyway and as he's walking down yeah. the street the partner runs after him and the partner's been attacked by her oh and the partner says like she's she's there's something in her she 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 needs like help um so he goes back and pays her a visit and he's convinced then like you can tell in her eyes she's like oppressed She knows she, I think she mentioned something I can't even recall what it was because I'm getting to the point I'm getting to as opposed to regaling this story. Um, long story short, he goes to the bishop to ask for permission to do an exorcism. The bishop denies it and says, A confession is as good as an exorcism, and he argues the toss. Why have you put me through the exorcism training then? Um, uh, then. He, the, the bishop likes outright, it's more or less a paper, uh, it's an admin exercise. He, he basically says, I can't authorize an exorcism without her having confession. Mm-hmm. So he goes, Well, I'm not going to get her in a confessional booth, but he said, yeah. well, will, you, will you give her one more try? So he does. He invites her around to the priest's house for well, the parochial home mm-hmm. for tea. And um, she turns up, he has the gate go, she's walking up the thing with a pram. She's got a youngster with her, about maybe months old, whatever. Yeah. Um, and she comes in, she sits down, all nice as pie. He goes, do you want a cup of tea? Yeah, all good. Goes in, makes a cup of tea, comes in with a tray with some biscuits on and stuff yeah. like that. And as he looks up, she's holding the baby above her head, above his glass coffee table and smiling at the priest and yeah. saying, what would you do? Sort of thing. What are you going to do? You know, can you stop me? Blah, blah, blah. He panics that much. He drops the tray um and then when he's picking the stuff up she's back to herself and she's putting the baby back in the pram and she's like are you okay father what's wrong what's happened Mm -hmm. and she's completely lost it he goes like as in she's back to normal she's lost the oppression if you will so he then returns to the bishop and says we are not getting her in a confessional booth and the the bishop says my hands are tied you you know it." it's you can't do it without. So he says, I can't do it then. I can't, I can't, you, you give me a job I can't do, and I, I wanna give him a notice, sort of thing. Yeah. So only the Pope can approve you being lay sized, apparently. Mm. So I'm learning all this through reading the letter, um, or reading the email, even. Yeah. So um the Pope it, it, the, the Bishop writes a full explanation as to what's going on. The bishop immediately grants them being lay-sized um which is suspicious in itself it's kind of like you know no questions asked anyway um so he's the but the weird thing is if apparently once a priest always a priest it's not like he if he wanted to become a priest again he has right. to go through the training again he could literally just make a phone call and say put me back on and he's on um and he, he can also perform certain like last rites in an emergency and stuff sure. like that. Yeah um anyway as I'm halfway through this story, I, I and I'm, as I say, as as you've heard, I'm like I do in a different sort of accent, a little bit more serious. Yeah, right. A little bit more well-spoken. And I'm yeah. really concentrating on what I'm doing. I become convinced that someone stood behind that curtain that mm-hmm. separates yeah. my recording room to the door. Mm-hmm. So much so to the point that I stop recording I take my earphones off and I say hello like three times. Sure. Then I put my headphones back on. I start recording again. Then I hear my name. Then I take my headphones off and I'm like, someone's definitely behind my curtain. So like in a cartoon, yeah, I've got my umbrella and I'm poking the curtain <laughs> um, from like my seating position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got you. But honest, honest to God, something was in that room. It's not left me now, even now. And Mm. I've I've spoken about this numerous times on numerous versions of me, numerous shows, that this was something that there was something in that room. And as I I was telling that story, as I was, you know, and but the thing is, you know, I could look at the rational points of it. For example, a good, when I say a good friend of mine, a a man that I know who um, had a very successful podcast as a skeptic, He once said he was writing an autobiography about a very famous comedian.
0: Yeah.
1: And he said, whilst he was up late one night, about two in the morning, um, burning the midnight oil working through this, Mm -hmm. he, he became convinced he was in the room with him. But as a skeptic, he believes it was because he was so enraptured in that person's life. Yeah. That he just felt part of him. Um, Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the story that was sent in by this priest was only six pages of A4. You know, it's it's. I, I'm not involved in this person's life. Mm. I've not spent months um, researching the ins and outs of a duck's backside about him. Do You know, so when it was, it was. Do, do you know what? Right. You know when people describe, and this is it's strange when you experience something that you've only read about people. Yeah. Ex- people de- trying to describe. Right. And you know, when people describe a like something coming down like a blanket, it was, right. it, it was like, it was like that. Uh-huh. It was like that. There was an, I know. And there was not an, an ominous feeling that just yeah, yeah. dropped an all present mm. feeling. It's really hard to describe. Yes, it is. But it was, it was like, I understand. It was like, the, I instantly felt the need to be backed up into a corner yeah. and we're talking about a room that's about, Ten foot by ten foot. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not a big room. Uh Yeah. Um, it was so weird, so bizarre. Middle of the day, uh, just just totally bizarre. Mm -hmm. So, so in answer to your question, and a completely long-winded way about no, I love it. Yes, and it was then, and it it was just there was something there, there was something definitely there, and I'm I'm not a fool. Do you know what I mean? I'm not like. Like I'm, for example, oh. right now I'm alone in our house. My partner's yeah. in the Middle East, and I'm with the cat. And I will be the f- like. My partner doesn't allow me to have a have a Ouija board in the house because she says I'm so suggestible. So True. I will I will jump at my own shadow. I jumped at a coat before, because and that I'd hung up um, mm-hmm. in the belief someone was in the house. So mm-hmm. I am suggestible. So you know but, I hear you, but I hear you. There's a world of difference between jumping and going, oh my God, it's all right. It's all right. And and that. And even now when I'm talking about it now, I'm I'm getting that,
0: you know. Yeah, you're getting that hairs kinda uh, you know, yeah. Goosebumps, whatever you want to say, hairs
1: kinda yeah. Yeah. I, I don't that, know
0: what it is. That's unbelievable because I was gonna ask you if you've ever screamed like a little girl uh since,
1: Cause well, I have many. I a have.
0: Time. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm a I'm not a big guy, but I'm I'm a pretty big guy. And when people see me and I, and I tell them that they always laugh at me and they're, they're always like, you're scared of that. Like one time, like I got scared, I went, ah, like that. And my wife was like, huh? <laughs> 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 she just Like looked at me like, what are you doing? And you know, that's funny that you mentioned that is about exorcisms. Uh, just really quick before we uh, wrap up here. Uh, Which, by the way, I could talk to you for hours, Kev. You're
1: awesome. Oh, definitely.
0: I love it. Um, So I was doing a um, uh, research on uh, Anna Eklund. It was this exorcism. And it took, she was from like (laughs) in her 20s to her 40s, demonic voices felt like she was just being, you know, just... uh, totally being possessed by demons. And then when she finally, when the priest finally exercised her, if they took three weeks, three weeks mm-hmm. to yeah. exercise her. And when the, when the priest and the nuns and everybody, when they're talking about things, you're like, why would they make that up? Maybe. Well, okay. You know, to get some more, I don't but still, okay, whatever you believe what you want to believe. But the point was like, she would be throwing, throwing up buckets of, uh, vomit and she'd be crawling the walls and and she'd be speaking in old latin and all this stuff and i'm like holy so when i'm doing this right i'm doing some research on exorcism i'm watching videos and i'm watching this to try to you know get a feel for this i get up it's like two three in the morning and I hear footsteps coming down. And usually it's my wife who say, honey, get the bed, you know, you know, it's late, And we, but she doesn't do it all the time, especially on weekends. And I got a full house here, by the way, I got two kids, two cats, a dog and a wife. So wow, <laughs> I have a full bolt yeah. um, anyway. And sometimes the kids get up and you know, whatever, but I swear to God, Kev, I'm sitting there and I, my office is right next to the steps and I hear footsteps coming down and I'm like, well, Okay. It's probably the wife, probably the kids telling, you know, telling me to come to bed or whatever. Like yeah, that. but they usually don't care about dad. They're like, yeah, whatever, dad, do whatever you want. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm sitting there and doing my research, and all of a sudden I have carpeted uh near my door and in my in my uh, basement, and I mm-hmm. hear the footsteps on the carpet and it stops right in front of my door. And for just like you. I didn't think it was my wife. I didn't think it was the dog. I didn't think it was the cats. I didn't think it was kids. No, I thought there was something, if I opened that door, was going to hurt me. And I just had this really bad feeling. I just just felt like dread. And I was like, so I closed my laptop. I turned everything off, but it just stopped my research. And I thought, oh, I got a chair here. I can sleep in the chair. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and then a part of me goes, you got to know what behind that door is. You have to open that door. Open that door, John. And I come right close to the door. I put my hand on the doorknob and I'm about to open the door. And again, something stopped me and just stopped me. And then I swear to God, I heard the footsteps walk away. Wow. And I just sat down there in my room and you could not convince me there wasn't something behind that door waiting for me to come out and do something. I, I swear on that. So, you know, I, I eventually I turn on all the lights downstairs, I like go up. I had all the kitchen lights. I had every little damn light in the house you could turn on. Right. And I, and I go to bed and then my wife wakes up the next morning and I turned everything off my wife, like what the <laughs> and I'd explain yeah. to her, but I, I like you, I was like, should I open that door or should I, you know, I'm poking this curtain. Should I open? And I, and something was telling me, don't do that. Do not do that. So, <laughs> man, I feel for you. That's it's still like me. Yeah, I right now, I'm like feeling like you, I'm feeling like, Ugh. you know, it's that weird feeling you get. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was just terrible. So, to wrap up here, I have to ask this question: Do you think this Ghost Watch would mm. ever come on again, and would you think it would fool people this time?
1: I think it would need to be a new medium. Now, I think, okay, uh, you like know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I think it need to. You'd need to. You would need to get everyone involved, Uh, and I mean the watchers, the listeners, Mm -hmm. and someone much more intelligent than I would have to come up with some way of making people – because the thing with it is it worked because people bought into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, If you had a way of making people buy in to what was going Mm -hmm. on, Mm -hmm. not even that they believed, just that they couldn't explain it, right then you've you've got them in the palm of your hand sort of thing yeah if you're looking at it from a from a a a fake point of view um there's there's the argument that you could you know i'd be interested to see for example um when most haunted did start their very first most haunted live Mm -hmm. mirrored the concept of ghost watch it was done identical they had a studio they had an outside broadcast team. Um, and this was before they got into the controversy around maybe things were being faked and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And all it was, and it was better for it, they would yeah. have, like, Yvette Fielding sat in a, in a room in this castle for 20 minutes on her own just with a camera. And they would keep going back to her, and she'd be like, I'm here knocking all around me. and it was terrifying. Yeah. They didn't need anything flying through the air. Yep. They didn't need, you know... It was like, it was just so well done, but could it be done today? Mm. It would take, it would take some doing. Yeah. Um, And I'm not too sure what that would be, but interestingly going back to what you're talking about when you're saying about, well, my story initially with the uh, Catholic priest and yours, when you're talking about Anna Eklund and feeling somebody coming to your door, um, And there's a piece on one of the documentaries about the exorcist Mm. where the guy who plays the young priest, uh, I can't recall his name now, but he's getting interviewed off camera. And he says it was because it was filmed in the Jesuit quarters. Yeah. A priest comes up to him and says, have you ever heard of intervention? Um, I'm sure it's intervention. says, have you ever heard of intervention? And this, this actor says no. And he says, when you try and expose the devil for the fraudster that he is, he will always try and find a way to stop you. Mm -hmm. And he says he then placed, um, I think it was a medal of St. Christopher in his hand and said, be careful. You need to watch yourself because you're playing with fire. Right. And he said two days later, he was walking through the Jesuit quarters. He said, and it's either side of him was alcoves, um, little prayer vestibules and stuff. Uh-huh. And one of them had a laid out coffin. And um, when he went in, it was that priest who'd given uh-huh. the St. Christopher. Um Wow. And it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, I don't know. Cause they always say, don't they? The greatest trick the devil pulls is to let you think. Yeah. doesn't exist." Yeah. Therefore, if you try and show people he exists, yeah. he tries to find a way to stop you. Definitely. And I've, because I've seen that long before I'd read this email from this priest, yeah. I'm reading this out. Oh, it was just—it was just such a bizarre sensation. Mm-hmm. It at the me girlfriend as as there's a word called qualia, which means mm. it, there is no word to describe it. Oh, okay. that's what qualia means. So when someone says it has a certain qualia, it means something I can't describe, mm-hmm. and that's what this was. It had a certain qualia. And it was something mm. I, I couldn't put into words. Yeah, but it, you know, and, I, and for for someone who's, who does who's been doing paranormal podcasting for like six years now. And someone who's yeah. been into the paranormal for over 30 years. Yeah. I'm normally pretty good to describe a scary sure. feeling. But sure. this, was a, this was, this was, this mm, was, yeah, this was a little too close for comfort. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kev, again, like
0: I said, I can talk to you for hours. I mean, you're amazing. We didn't even get to what I really wanted to talk about of some of the five spookiest places and if you would be generous to come back on my show, uh, that would be great. Sometime you, uh, anytime, anytime, love to have you on. And if you want to hear my stories, like I said, I'll gladly be on your show. So I sure do.
1: I'll sort that out with you, especially about the two. Um, cause what I'll do with the, um, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but with the deadly countdown, with that being very similar to the dark paranormal in terms of serious mm-hmm. tone and stuff. Yeah. I'll get you on that in a serious capacity to 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 do, to do a mid-season thing. That would be great. Um I'll have a think on that. But yeah. That would, be, be, great. Be, that would be great. So again, check Kev out uh
0: it, with uh we need to t- <laughs> I always say we need to talk about ghosts. You tell it better. That's right. <laughs> That's right.
1: We need to talk about ghosts.
0: Yeah. Oh it is. I just I don't know why that sounds weird in my head. Uh and dark paranormal and uh the other one, your other Death podcast. That's
1: Countdown the newest one. Yes, so that's true crime. So if- that's true crime. Well
0: still we have we my spooky friends love all that stuff. So check him out and all that I will put Kev and all his things in the links of the episode as well as on my social media sites so you can check him out and enjoy like I enjoy, um, you know, his um, take on a lot of different things. And it's, it, it, you're awesome. It, it You guys hey. love it. Absolutely love it. So we do two things when we wind up the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have a ghost in your house, but this is what we say. We say hi to your ghost, so we say hello, ghost. Yes, hello. Oh, nice one for that. Now, I'm,
1: now you know I'm alone for the next. <laughs>
0: <time>. <laughs> and then we say, "Stay spooky." So, stay spooky, Kev. You
1: too, mate. Take Love care.
0: having you on. We will talk later. Indeed, we shall. Thanks, mate. Thank you.